One of the last big infrastructure companies on the ASX set to be taken over. Warnings that interest rates and inflation will be higher for much longer, and New Zealand's plan to reduce methane emissions from cows and sheep. It's Thursday the 9th of June 2022. Welcome to Fear and Greed, Australia's most popular business podcast. I'm Michael Thompson, and good morning, Sean Aylmer. Good morning, Michael. It's Thursday, Sean. You know what that means? <laughs> I know. It's Safe Word Day. It is Safe Word Day. It's a very exciting day. Safe Word by Fear and Greed is obviously our, our another podcast in our stable. It's a weekly podcast. It only comes out on Thursdays. And it's a bit of a lighter look at the world of business, the world of work and offices and all of that. And, and today, Sean, is the first yes. episode where I have heard you and our colleague, Adam Lang, who also features in the podcast, almost come to blows over an issue. And it was fantastic. I loved every minute of it. Well, he was wrong. He was. I mean, so are you. I mean, No, 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 no. <laughs> Adam was wrong. You argued your case very well. Adam also argued his case very well. And I was just there for the theatre. And it was, mm. it, was, it was great fun. But definitely go and have a listen to that. We cover a range of topics from kind of how to handle kind of mass redundancies right through to kind of what you wear on your bottom half when you're on a video call. Kind of it's, it's a fairly kind of wide range of topics. Eclectic range of topics, I think, Michael. It, it certainly is. And now, Sean, if I can just please give a very quick plug to something else happening today. This is a little bit more serious. This is a, this is a free plug to a charity that Fear and Greed has supported before. Today is the JDRF Giving Day. And last year, we actually spoke to Mike Wilson, OAM, who's the CEO of JDRF. This is a day that supports research into type 1 diabetes, which is an autoimmune condition that affects a lot of kids in this country, including one of mine. And today, basically, any donations received are matched dollar for dollar by some very generous companies and other supporters. So, if you are able to help, please head to jdrf.org.au and see your donations matched dollar for dollar. I know we're not an investment podcast, Sean, but I reckon that's a pretty good investment. I think we'll get away with this one. I think it's a great investment. jdrf.org.au, every dollar donated is matched by a large organisation. Go for it. Wonderful. All right. Thank you very much. Now, let's get back to business. We've got a really interesting chat coming up a little bit later on, Sean. It is with Anthony Nantes, who is the CEO of Neobank Lender Wiser. Yeah, it's great to have a chat to someone who's operating in that space, taking on the big banks. In this instance, it's pretty much in, in personal lending and how they're using technology to offer great products, how they're winning customers away from the big banks. It's really interesting. Yeah, it sure is. That's coming up a bit later on. But the main story this morning, Sean, there really aren't too many large infrastructure companies left on the ASX, are there? There's been a bunch of takeovers in recent years, and it looks like the boss might lose another after IFM investors bought 15% of toll road group Atlas Arteria. Yes. Apparently, IFM investors, which is a grouping of big investors, including super funds, is considering a $7.8 billion bid for Atlas. That's according to the Financial Review. IFM was reportedly considering an $8.10 a share offer, which is about a dollar higher than where the group was trading before the report on Tuesday night. Yesterday's share price jumped 16% to $8.25, so clearly investors think there's something in it. IFM has told Atlas it intends to ask for access to information to assess whether to make a bid. 
though it's not clear that it has formally done so as yet. Certainly, it's on the way. Atlas runs toll roads in the US, Germany and France. Around 90% of its income comes from a French motorway. Now, IFM certainly knows the sector. It owns 14% of Sydney's Eastern Distributor and it operates UK's M6 toll. It also operates another tollway near Chicago in the US. And clearly, it likes toll roads. Yeah, certainly. Uh, Sean, the big super funds seem to have a massive appetite for infrastructure, and clearly they haven't had enough yet. Yeah, seemingly not. Infrastructure provides long-term, relatively safe income, and that's exactly what big super funds really, really like. Now, Sydney Airport at the beginning of this year was sold to a consortium led by IFM that provides that type of income for that consortium. Other infrastructure businesses that have been privatised over the past year include Spark Infrastructure, Duet and Osnet Services. There's actually not too many big infrastructure companies left on the ASX. Now, there's Transurban, the Toll Road Group. It operates toll roads in Australia and the US. It's massive. It's a top 20 company. Now, whether or not someone would take that over, maybe that one's too big. There's also pipeline operator APA group. But beyond those two, there's just not that many around. Okay. Now, how did the local share market perform yesterday? Well, certainly better than the day before. The S&P ASX 200 finished 0.4% higher at 7,121 points following Tuesday's 1.5% sell-off after the Reserve Bank lifted the official cash rate by 50 basis points. Not surprisingly, yesterday, Atlas Arteria was the best-performing stock, followed by Boral. More of that shortly. The banks were the big losers, though. Investors are fearful that aggressive rate increases will lead to a spike in bad debts and higher funding costs. Bendigo and Adelaide Bank was the worst performer of the top 200 yesterday, down 7%. Westpac was off 6%. Commonwealth Bank fell 4.4%. National Australia Bank closed 4% lower, while ANZ was down 2.3%. It's funny, it goes against the grain. Normally, when interest rates rise, banks tend to do well. But because the shift was so big, the 50 basis point increase was so much, investors now worry that rising interest rates will cause bad debts. I'm not sure who's right or wrong in that, but it was something of a contrarian reaction in the market yesterday as far as the banks were concerned. Now, away from the banks, it wasn't too bad a day. BHP, Fortescue Metals and Rio Tinto all jumped more than 2%. Woodside Energy was up 5.6% and Santos rose 3.4% as oil prices hit a new two-month high. APA Group, as we mentioned, one of the few remaining infrastructure companies, jumped 4.6%. Michael, away from equities, the Aussie dollar managed to hold above 72 US cents. And as I mentioned earlier on, oil prices were up and gold was slightly lower. All right. We'll be back in a moment with the rest of the day's business news. Sean, yesterday was the day after the Reserve Bank lifted interest rates by 50 basis points. So there was plenty of discussion and plenty of dissecting of the announcement. And and really, a lot of the talk was around just how high inflation will go. That's right. Former Reserve Bank boss Ian McFarlane, who tends to stay away from economic commentary, he hasn't been in the job since 2006, that he hasn't really said much about the economy. Well, yesterday he came out and said inflation was unlikely to get back to the two to 3% target anytime soon. He said inflation was more likely to be between 3 to 5% in the longer term. He said it could get up to 8% thanks to the tight labour market and supply side shocks. He thinks interest rates will be significantly higher 
than what they are now in coming years. Yeah, it seems he's not alone, Sean. Plenty of market economists are expecting another rate rise next month and then possibly another one in August. Yeah, one of those is National Australia Bank Chief Economist Alan Oster. He reckons another 50 basis points next month, which would get the official cash rate back to pre-pandemic levels, and then another 50 basis points in August, which will push interest rates closer to neutrality. That means the cash rate is heading towards 2%, so you're going to find your mortgage rates heading towards 5%. It's a big jump in a relatively short period of time. And somewhat unsurprisingly, there were plenty of lenders that passed on the full 50 basis point rate hike. That's right. Westpac led the way. Macquarie Group passed on the full amount, as did Bank of Queensland and Commonwealth Bank and a bunch of other lenders too. All right. Now, away from interest rates, the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission is suing accommodation giant Airbnb for allegedly misleading customers about prices. Yes, the competition watchdog alleges between January 2018 and August 2021, Airbnb displayed prices on its website for Australian accommodation without making it clear the currencies were in US dollars. When thousands of people complained to Airbnb about being overcharged, the company allegedly falsely told many that they had selected the US currency. So an Australian customer who thought they were paying $500 for a booking could have been charged closer to $700. The ACCC filed a claim in federal court on Tuesday and it's seeking compensation for guests who are overcharged as well as penalties. Sean, Federal Treasurer Jim Chalmers says gas has a crucial role in Labor's 2030 climate target. Labor's policy is to transition to 82% renewable energy by 2030 and gas is part of that plan, Mr Chalmers says. As he puts it, Labor doesn't want to ban the barbecue. Hmm. Of course, gas isn't a clean energy. Well, I mean, it's cleaner than coal, but it ain't a renewable, that's for sure. Mr Chalmers ruled out a windfall profit tax on energy companies to help fund options to cushion the cost of living hit. That has occurred in the UK, but Australia won't be following that. Energy Minister Chris Bowen met with his state and territory counterparts yesterday to try and get going on working on a solution, though clearly there's no easy fix here. And earlier in the day, Prime Minister Anthony Albanese really avoided answering a question on whether the government will provide handouts to help households, particularly low-income households, coping with rising energy prices. Mr Albanese was speaking from the Northern Territory, where, Michael, he was announcing a new partnership with NASA to launch three rockets with the US Space Agency. That's a pretty cool announcement to be making, isn't it? Isn't that one of the perks of being the Prime Minister? You get to announce things with NASA. Yeah, pretty cool. Three rockets with NASA. Love it. Great photo op. All right, Sean, and really kind of to a semi-linked kind of story, because we're still talking airborne things here, but US carrier United Airlines will fly direct from Brisbane to San Francisco from October. It's a bit of a stretch, really, wasn't it, to link those two? It was, but it's a bit of a coup for Queensland. Sure is. Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk said the three weekly flights will deliver an extra 40,000 international seats into Brisbane, support about 3,900 local jobs and inject $73 million into the economy. Now, United is the world's second largest carrier. It's never flown directly to Queensland. So good on the Queenslanders and people in Brisbane. They'll be able to fly direct to the US from their home city. Sean, I know I should know this, and I'm probably putting you on the spot here, but if United is the world's second largest carrier, what's the world's largest? I think it's Delta. It's certainly one of the US carriers. I think Delta, in in fact, it depends how you measure it, whether it's, you know, sort of bums on seats or whether it's revenue or it's it's market capitalization. But I think generally Delta is number one and then United and American Airlines are two and three, depending on how you measure it. 
Fantastic. I've got that set for my next pub trivia night. All right, Sean, the Biden administration has unveiled a $6 billion plan to buy enriched uranium. Yes, it wants to wean the US off Russian imports of the nuclear reactor fuel, according to Bloomberg. That helped local uranium stocks yesterday. Paladin Energy was up 13%. Others to do well were Boss Energy, Deep Yellow and Peninsula Energy. That last one, Peninsula, ended up 20% high yesterday. Now, the Biden proposal aims to push the development of more domestic enrichment and other steps needed to turn uranium into reactor fuel. It would create a government by directly purchasing enriched uranium, hence the benefit, or at least the potential benefit, to local producers. Okay. You mentioned earlier on, Sean Borrell, and the company's share price jumped 15% yesterday after the group hired a new CEO. Yes, Vic Bansell, who formerly ran CleanAway before leaving over allegations about bullying and harassment, and now runs steel group InfraBuild, will take a will take over at Borel. He will replace Latko Todorovsky, who's been CEO for less than two years. Borel, of course, is majority owned by Kerry Stokes' businesses. It's been a chronic underperformer, but certainly investors liked the announcement yesterday. Scrap metal group Sims has upped its profit guidance. Higher metal prices and improved metal volumes are the main drivers of the company's guidance being higher than last year's result, but the company is facing inflation headwinds and supply chain challenges. And just quickly, Sean, REA Group Chief Executive Owen Wilson says all the negative talk about the property market is overblown. Yes, REA is getting 12 million people coming to its website every month, and the number of potential buyers is at a five-year high, according to Mr. Wilson. While there are dips in property prices in some areas, prices are still up 14% over the past year, he pointed out, and 25% over the pandemic. I reckon it's fair enough because it just puts into perspective the fall in prices now vis-a-vis what's happened in the past year or two. Yeah, it's a good perspective. Sean, moving on to overseas news, the World Bank has provided new forecasts for the global economy, and it's really not good news. That's right. The pandemic rebound seems to be over, even though we aren't over the pandemic. The World Bank expects the global economy to expand by 2.9% this year, about half last year's pace. And it warns that the risk of stagflation, whereby prices rise but growth slows, is increasing. It expects subdued global growth for most of the current decade due to weak investment around most of the world. Sean, the latest rankings of the most expensive cities to live in as an expat has Hong Kong as number one for the second year in a row. That's right. The cost of living report put New York and Geneva at numbers two and three. Then came London, Tokyo, Tel Aviv, Zurich and Shanghai. No Australian city made the top 20. The cheapest was Ankara in Turkey. So... Why is Hong Kong so expensive? Well, a cup of coffee costs more than five US dollars, a litre of petrol is more than five US dollars, and a kilo of tomatoes, obviously one of the more important measures, is heading towards 12 US dollars. The price of petrol was a reason for many big rises across the world. Though, did you know in Tehran, in Iran, a litre of petrol costs just nine US cents? Nine US cents for a litre of petrol. That that is amazing. Sean. That that is the second thing I've learned from you today, and for quite trivia. an extraordinary fact. Thank yes. you for sharing that. No New Zealand yesterday, Sean released a draft plan to put a price on agricultural emissions in a bid to tackle one of the country's biggest sources of greenhouse gases: belching sheep and cattle. 
I really just wanted you to say the word belching. I know you do. You See, this, this is the thing. You kind of try and bait me into saying things. Sometimes you'll try and kind of get me to say a word that I really don't quite know how to pronounce or something like that, and you just do it just for your enjoyment. Yeah, pretty much. Look, the proposal would make New Zealand, a large agricultural exporter, the first country to have farmers pay for emissions from livestock, the Ministry for Environment said. Now, the country has 10 million cattle and 26 million sheep, only 5 million people, and nearly half its greenhouse gas emissions come from agriculture, according to a report on Bloomberg. But these emissions have so far been exempt from New Zealand's emissions trading scheme. The proposal includes incentives for farmers who reduce emissions through feed additives, while on-farm forestry can be used to offset emissions. Revenue from the scheme will be invested in research development and advisory services for farmers. We might joke about belching sheep and cattle, but it's a serious issue in New Zealand. It sure is. All right, up next, Sean, is the Fear and Greed Daily interview with Anthony Nantes from neobank lender Wiser. Yeah, Wiser is a neobank with a purpose. It focuses on personal loans, but for example, it has a specific loan for electric vehicles because it believes in pushing electric vehicles. It's taking on the big banks. It's just a really interesting chat to Anthony. Yeah, it sure is. It is up next in the Fear and Greed playlist on your podcast platform or at fearandgreed.com.au. And don't forget as well to check out Safe Word by Fear and Greed. You can find it in its own playlist wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you very much, Sean. Thank you, Michael. It's Thursday, the 9th of June, 2022. Make sure you're following the podcast and join us online on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook. I'm Michael Thompson, and that was Fear and Greed. Have a great day.